uh, our nation is in trouble. Uh, we are in a mess. We are in a quagmire. We are in a place where there is extreme shortage and it's going to get worse. Uh, the world is in chaos. The world is on fire. But Jesus said it's going to be that way. He said in the last days, perilous times shall come. Perilous times. He said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Nation rising against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. People against kingdom. But he said this. Hey, hey, these, all these things must come to pass. Lift up your head. Your redemption draweth nigh. But until then, we got to live in it. Until then, we got to deal with it. And so today, I want, to, I want to share just a thought that the Lord has given me to encourage you. Honestly, I, I wanted to focus on the, uh, primarily on the provision part. I'm not all about the judgment part. I just like talking about when God's going to take care of us. Amen? But, but, but I'm, afraid, I'm afraid God's people need to hear some hard truth. Some hard truth. And so let's read in 1 Kings chapter number 17 in verse number 1. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth. I think we need to look over our neighbor and say he's alive. Before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years according to my word. Now, you think that might not be too significant in the age that we live in. But in that day, it was an agriculture society. Everything was based, the economy, everything, living and dying was based on the ability to grow crops. And when he said this, he said, it's not going to rain till I say so. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. And his, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning. Bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And as she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. Behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat and what? Die. Die. Things had gotten bad. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after, make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, 
And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful and thankful for your, your mercy. I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for encouragement. I'm thankful for uh, just a, a, a knowledge that you're alive and you're well aware of our situation. Nothing in this world has ever occurred to you. Nothing has slipped up on you. Nothing has taken you by surprise. Lord, we are in a place where we are in desperate need of you. We are in desperate need of a word from you. We're in desperate need of your provision and your touch. But oh God, convict us where we're, we're wrong, Lord. I pray that you'll convict us where we are slacking in our responsibilities as your children. I pray that your perfect will be done today. Lord, I pray, please convict those who need to be convicted. Mend those who are broken. Encourage those that are defeated. I pray in Jesus' name that you'll touch us here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to just go right into the message today, right into the points. If you're taking notes, I want you to see number one. I want you to see the condition, the condition that the nation of Israel finds themselves in, the condition that they are, they are experiencing. Uh, we see two things here. I want you to see, first of all, a devastating shortage, a devastating shortage. First Kings chapter 18 said that Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab and there was a sore famine in Samaria. Sore means a hardship causing emotional pain or distress. When Jesus referred to the same time and the same situation, he said, but I tell you, this is in Luke four twenty five. I tell you of a truth, many widows in Israel in that days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, there was great famine Great famine was throughout all of the land. The word famine means extreme scarcity of food and inadequate supply. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm telling you this right now, that there was a extreme shortage. There was a situation where there was not enough food. There was not enough supply. Three and a half years, there was no rain. Three and a half years, they were not able to grow crops. Three and a half years, they were not able to meet the need and the supply demand of the people. The animals were dying. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure it's not recorded, but I'm pretty sure that people had died during that period of time. And we see an extreme shortage. Listen, a devastating shortage. B, write this down. They were under divine judgment, divine judgment all through scripture. You will find that God would use famine to judge his people. He said, if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. If I send pestilence on the people, God will shut up the heavens because his people have backslidden. His people have acted wickedly. His people had rejected and left his principles and living. He told the nation before they ever went in, he told them in Leviticus and he told them in Deuteronomy. He told them at Mount Sinai and Deuteronomy means the second reading of the law. He reminded them again before they went into the promised land, if you will follow 
follow me, I will bless you. If you will do what I say, I will bless you and I will curse them that curse you. I will give you all the blessings of the lamb. But if you rebel and you do not do what I say, then I'm going to give you all the curses that I'm lifted here below. And he shut up the heavens. He shut up the heavens. There was a devastating shortage of divine judgment. First Chronicles chapter seven, verse 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and I have chosen this place as for myself as a house of sacrifice. Verse 13. If I, who's talking? The God is the Lord. Watch this. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. If I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Preacher, what are you saying? He was judging his people. Now, I want everybody to understand this. I am so glad to be an American. I'm as patriotic as they come. I love America. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I'm, I'm so glad to be an American. I believe we're blessed to be an American. But America has walked away from God. The Bible says that every nation, every nation that rejects God will be turned into hell. Everyone. Blessed, blessed are the people who obey him. Cursed are the people who rebel. Our nation was founded on godly principles and we have drifted so far away from where God had put us. And I believe without a doubt, everything you see, everything from the top, from politics all the way down to what is taking place, empty shelves, high gas prices. I believe it all is the judgment of God. The judgment of God. Say why? Number two. Number two, we see, first of all, we see the condition. How many of y'all understand there was a sore, great famine? Say amen. A devastating shortage. Number two, we see the cause. The cause. Well, if we go back to verse 30 of chapter 16, we'll learn some of the cause. The Bible says Ahab, he was the king at the time. If you want to call him president, so it makes more sense to you, you call him whatever you want, but he was the leader. Ahab, the son of Amri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove and Ahab did more. Listen now, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord of God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Preacher, what was the cause of the shortage? What was the cause of the judgment on God's people? First of all, we see wicked politicians, wicked politicians. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people will mourn. There is so much wickedness today. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. I think they're all crooked. Listen, the White House is wicked. The State House is wicked. The Senate is wicked. We are living in days where we have wickedness in leadership. Wickedness in leadership. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Oh, yeah, we put him there. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. The Bible says the Lord sets him up and the Lord takes him down. 
The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he turn it whithersoever he will. Preacher, what do you mean by that? I'm telling you this. God allowed who's in there to judge his people. He couldn't have got in there without God's allowance. Listen, wicked politicians are bringing the wrath of God on God's people. But that's not all. It's not, it's not just wicked politicians. Watch this now. Watch this. If we go into chapter 18, <clears throat> if we go into chapter 18, and I got to hurry because I'm running out of time. But if we go into chapter 18, you'll find out that Elijah had a challenge for the prophets of Baal and King Ahab. King Ahab called the nation of Israel together to come to this mountain. We've been there, went to Israel, seen right exactly where it's at. And he challenges the people. Elijah, all by himself, is looking at the people, God's people. And he says, if Baal be God, then serve him. But if God be God, then serve him. And the Bible says they answered him not a word. They answered him not a word. They were not in, but they were not out. Preacher, what does that remind you of? It tells me we see this in Revelation chapter number three. The Bible says in the Laodicean church age, if you'll study prophecy, if you'll study the book of Revelation, you'll find there were seven letters to seven churches. It started with Ephesus and went all the way down to Laodicea. And each one of those churches, each one of those letters represents a different period, a history in the church age, all the way up until the rapture that takes place in chapter number four, verse number one. The very last church was Laodicea. The description of this church was putrefying. This, the, the condition of the church was nauseating in the nostrils of our Lord. The Bible said you're lukewarm. You're not cold and you're not hot. And because you're lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Amen. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm telling you this. The cause of this shortage, the cause of the mess that we're in is wicked politicians. But it's also the spiritual apathy among God's people. Spiritual apathy among God's people. The word apathy means lack of feeling or emotion, lack of interest or concern, indifference. They wouldn't say yay or nay. They wouldn't commit. They wouldn't sell out. Listen, they were not in. They were not out. God said, that makes me sick. We are living in a day where God's, I'm not talking about the lost. The lost will act like lost people and lost will behave like lost people. The condition of this country is not because of the, the homosexual agenda or, or the trans agenda or, or the abortion agenda. The condition of our country is based on a thermometer in the church. Sinners are going to be sinners. Sinners are going to live like sinners. The problem is when God's people live like sinners. We're living in apathetic days without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt. We are living in the Laodicean church age. We have professed Christians that will do everything in the world, but be in God's house. Listen, let me, let me just go ahead and set the, set the record straight on this deal. If you're watching by internet, you need to be crippled, sick, or your car broke down. 
If you profess to know God, listen, this live stream is not so you could sit at home on your couch in your pajamas. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but exhorting one another. And so much the more you can't exhort nobody on the couch. You can't exhort your brothers and sisters who are fighting the good fight. You need to be in the house of God when the doors are open. I need a witness. We need to quit being apathetic. We need to understand that this is a fight that we're in. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion who roameth about seeking whom he may devour. We don't need any sissies in God's army right now. We need people that are committed. We need people that are sold out. We need people who are hell or high water. I'm in the deal. We are in a fight today. We can't run. We can't hide. I'm going to I'm just, I, I, I know we got guests today, but I need to pastor a little bit this morning. Let me tell you when our greatest, let me tell you when our greatest, our greatest attendances were. Back around 2008, the last gas shortage. The last time gas prices were skyrocketing. The last time that the economy was bad. Everybody decided they needed to go to church then. I'm not, I'm not against going on vacation. I think everybody needs a vacation. I, I, I think you need all you can. But when you're running to and fro and everywhere else and God takes backseat to everything in your life, you're apathetic. I'm, you can go back and trace it. You can go back and trace it. Everybody says, oh, preacher, are you worried? Are you worried? No, I'm not worried. They're going to finally start coming back to church. This is not, this is not a surprise. This is not, this is not a surprise to me. Guess what? The nation of Israel did it too. Go, read the book of Judges. The Bible says that there was not a king in Israel and every man did what was right in his own eyes. And every time that God blessed and everything was going good and God prospered his people, they would always forget where it comes from and leave and drift away from God till God had to send the enemy. God had to send a shortage. God had to send a famine and they needed somebody to bring him back to God. And when God's people cried out to him, oh, God help us. Oh, God delivers. Oh, God give us what we need. He would always come in and deliver and bless and provide. And then every time, every time he provided, every time he prospered, they would leave again. And today is no different. I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about God's people. They profess to love God. But when it comes time for a church activity, when it comes time for commitment to a church program or a church project, you can't find them with the FBI. And we wonder why we're in a mess. We're wondering why God is angry. We're wondering why there's judgment on America. It's not because of the sinners, it's because of the saints. God don't whip children that don't belong to him. The Bible says, for whom he loveth, he chasteneth. And if, watch this, if you're without chastening, you're a bastard, not a son. It's not a cuss word. It means you're illegitimate. It means you claim to belong to him, but you don't. God will send judgment on apathetic people. The problem with this 
is the nation of Israel was so backslidden against God, they were following Baal, doing all kind of crazy stuff. And the bad thing is, is the good ones have to endure the famine too. Apathetic people. Apathetic Christians. Only give when there's something left over. Only show up when you ain't got nothing else to do. Sit at home. Spiritual apathy among God's people. Wicked politicians. False prophets in the pulpits. There were so many false prophets. When Elijah, listen, he challenged them. He challenged them in the next chapter. I, I encourage you to go home and read it. 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of the grove, 850 prophets, false prophets, false preachers. Preaching prosperity. Preaching name it and claim it. Preach live any way that makes you happy. We're wanting to take God's word and form it and conform it to our, our preferences and our feelings. And you say, hey, the word of God says this. You'll hear them say, well, I feel like. Your feelings are irrelevant. We cannot change the word of God to fit your lifestyle. You need to change your lifestyle to fit the word of God. Oh, preacher, you're rubbing the cat wrong. You're rubbing the cat backwards this morning. Well, the cat needs to turn around. Look what it says. Isaiah 56, 10. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. See, I'm not meaning God said it. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. They are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his gain and for his quarter. You may tell you what's happened. A lot of them has learned how to profit off of God and God's people. And so, so when, when they start preaching like I'm preaching this morning, they go to worrying about their bank account. And say so they're not going to ruffle no feathers. They're not going to stir the nest. They're not going to tell anybody anything that's going to offend them. Let me tell you something today. Temple Baptist Church, you pay me to offend you. I'm not here to make you feel good. If we're in an apathetic situation, you don't need to feel good. I don't need you to feel good about your condition. If your condition is something that's going to bring detriment to your life, I need to tell you like it is. I need to tell you straight up what God said. I don't need a cancer doctor. If I got cancer, I don't want him to tell me everything's okay. I want him to be real. I want him to be honest. I want him to look me dead in my eye and tell me what's wrong with me and tell me what's happening. And if you didn't have a preacher that loved you, he wouldn't do that. If you don't have a preacher that'll do that, if you're watching online, you better find one that will. Because in the days we're living in now, you better have one that's heard from God. Several times, Elijah said the word of the Lord came unto Elijah. Let me tell you what we're going to need right now. And it's going to get worse. I'm telling you right now, it's going to get worse. You better have got a word from the Lord. Listen, God knows we need some men of God that will quit Worrying about their paycheck. Quit worrying about, just preach the word. If it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's right, it's right. Period. 
Say amen. amen. Number three, here's the challenge. Yeah, you didn't think he was going to get this this early in the morning, did you? The challenge. Let me, let, me, let me say this. Let me say this. I promise you, my hand, both my hands on my Bible. I tried to study for the, the last two points. I don't like talking about all the stuff we just talked about. I want everybody to like me. I'm kind of sensitive. I love people and I want them to love me. I don't like saying that stuff. I went to this chapter on purpose. Tell them, Brother Doug. No, no pastor ever wants to go to the pulpit and have to say that. I come to, to study these two points. But God said them two points ain't going to matter if they don't get the first two. And, and let me go ahead and say this while I'm here. This shortage... This shortage, if you'll study it, do you know that the preacher prayed for it? Imagine that. That would be like me coming and saying, Dear Heavenly Father, make gas $10 a gallon. Dear Heavenly Father, take all the food off the shelves. If that's what it's going to take to get the attention of your people. You don't believe me? The Bible says in, in, in the New Testament that, that Elijah prayed that God would shut up the heavens. Now, now, here's what we do. Here's what we do. I see it all the time. I see preachers all the time, evangelists and pastors all the time. America needs revival. America needs revival. America needs revival. Pray for revival. Pray for revival. And then God does something that will cause revival. Oh, pray God stops it. Pray God stops it. Pray God stops it. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Elijah prayed for revival, but he didn't pray like we're praying today. He prayed, God, shut the heavens up. If, you're going to, if your people are going to act that way, shut the heavens up. Affect their pocketbook. Affect their groceries. Affect what's really dear to them. If that's what it's going to take to cause revival. The preacher prayed for this shortage. Hello? We're so far removed from that. That is so foreign to us. We're in shock right now. I, I dare you to go to Facebook and look at their posts. For the last 10 years, we need revival. We need revival. We need revival. And just about every one of them that's talked about we need revival are now whining because of the gas prices. Well, which is it? It's not bothering me a bit. I know what happened last time gas prices went. They started filling up the pews. Pour it on, Jesus. Amen. All right, that's enough of that. Now, here's what we do. All right, the shortage. I think it's going to get worse. I truly do. So two things I want you to leave here with. I know, no, some of you are so mad now you done, you done put your paper up. But this is the part you need to hear. 
What was number one? Hurry, hurry. Number one? The condition. Can y'all, can y'all, can we just take a minute and take a deep breath and, and all agree that the condition of our country is bad right now? It was number two. Can we all agree on the cause? How many of y'all would agree we got, we got wickedness in high places? How many of y'all would agree we got apathetic people? Well, I don't know about that. Well, I, let me tell you how, how I know about that. We were running 25 to 3,000 people before COVID. Now, we, our, our, our best service so far has been 1,800. That's almost 1,000 professed people who profess to love Jesus who are still at home, hadn't come back. Come on. Listen, pitiful preachers. I don't think you ought to talk about God's men. They ain't God's men. When I surrendered to preach, I was 17 years old. I sat across the table from a man of God to look me in my eye. I told all everybody, man, God's called me to preach. God's called me to preach. Everybody said, that's great. That's wonderful. Congratulations. What a blessing. Oh, you little preacher boy. I sat across the table from Dr. Melvin Biggs. Dr. Melvin Biggs looked me in my eye without him cracking a smile. He's a former uh, frogman, Navy frogman, did three tours in Vietnam. Still to this day, just makes me weak in the knees. He looked me in my eye. Brother Johnny said, preachers are a dime a dozen. And he said, real men of God are few and far between. There are tons of men all over this country who needs to get out of the pulpit and do something else. Anyway. Number three. Don't you see the challenge? What's the challenge? What do we do? What do we do in the shortage? If the good people have to go through it with the bad. Isn't it amazing that Elijah prayed for something that he was going to have to deal with himself? Wow. He prayed for something that was going to be hard on himself. Here's the challenge. Two things. I can't keep nothing on this top. That's what happens when you go to Redneck Church, Jeff. It is what it is. Amen. (laughs) First of all, write this down. The challenge of place. The challenge of place. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But here's what I need you to understand. In the shortage, watch what the Bible says. Verse 2, 17, verse 2. Hurry up and get there because I'm running out of time. Verse 2, are you there? He, he <clears throat> declared that the rains were going to stop. Not even any dew. There was going to be a shortage. There was going to be a famine. There was going to be divine judgment. Verse 2. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. The brook dried up. So guess what happened? Verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a woman. Okay, y'all slow. I have commanded a widow woman. 
to sustain thee. There's two there's there. That there represents a place. In the shortage, God has a place. When the heavens shut and the shelves are empty and the gas prices are skyrocketed, God's got a place for you. He said, I have a place where I'm going to sustain thee. I have a place where I'm going to provide for you. You say, why is this such a challenge? Now think about this. A raven is a ravenous, a ravenous bird, a scavenger. And God is saying, I want you to go into this isolated place. I want you to go into the wilderness and I'm going to send a ravenous raven to come and provide for you. That don't even make sense. But it was in that place that God sustained his man. When he went to a widow, watch this now, in a pagan territory. That didn't even make any sense. But it was in that place that God sustained him. Now I'm going to tell everybody in here, I'm preaching to the choir in here, you're here. So you need to understand the place you need to be. The Bible says forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. You need to be in the house of God. Because you need a word from God. Not on the couch. Not in the bed. Not in your pajamas. That's disrespect to a holy holy, righteous God who deserves our reverence and all. I'm going to be in the house. I'm going to be in the place that God commanded me. Why? Because I need, I need some exhorting. I need people. There's going to be days that I'm down and I need somebody to come. Hey, preacher, keep your chin up. It's going to be all right. Everything's going to be good. God is still God. As the Lord God liveth, he's alive and he's aware and he is able today. That was alliterated. That's pretty good, wasn't it? Hey. You see, you see, the Bible says you're supposed to exhort one another. That means I've got a brother in Christ and a sister in Christ that needs my encouragement. Oh, I can just have church in a tree stand. I can have church out on the boat on the lake. I can. No, no, you can't. No, you can't. That's a lie. You can't have church anywhere you want. You can praise him anywhere you want, but you can't have church. Church is when the body of Christ gathered together. If you don't have other brothers and sisters in Christ, you ain't having church. I need you. You need me. The greatest thing you can do for your pastor is to be faithful. Church, say amen. Listen, the challenge of place. Are you in the right place? You can get in the wrong place. Ask Elijah. He went to Mount Carmel. They had... They had a challenge to the prophets of Baal called fire down from heaven. Y'all remember that? And listen, killed all them prophets, made a nonprofit organization out of them. 
And then he went, he went to Jezreel. He went to King Ahab in the palace and, and Jezebel. And one woman scared him to death and he ran for his life. And there he's in depression, feeling sorry for himself in the mully grubs with his lip dragging the, gra- dragging the ground. And you know what God says? What are you doing You don't need to be here when you're supposed to be there. God's got a place there. God will sustain you there. God will provide for you there. Don't you be in a here when you need to be in a there. Are you in the place so you can have God's provision? Now watch this, and this is going to get tight. Y'all thought all that was tough. Watch this. There's a challenge of priority. Here's a challenge of priority. I'm talking about in the shortage, guys. I'm talking about in the famine. I'm talking about when there's not enough water and there's not enough food. You say, preacher, what are you getting at? I'm talking about that little widow woman. Everybody look at me because it's going to sound bad. Elijah comes into town. He sees the widow woman God was talking about. He says, sis, how about some water? She said, okay, so she's going to get him some water. And by the way, how about something to eat? You know he was a Baptist preacher. Say amen. (laughs) How about a cake? Oh, preacher, you don't understand. All we got left, all we got left is this little bit. And I'm going to make it for me and my son. And we're going to die. He said, I tell you what, make mine first. Boy, wouldn't that just hair lip the liberal crowd today? <laughs> I mean, it just tear people out the frame. This is a widow woman, orphan child, and the preacher tried. Can't you see it now? The preacher, the, the, pritter, the preacher. Is it extorting the widow women? He said, you make mine first. And God said, you will not do with that. Now, let me tell you the principle behind that. I, 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 I don't, I, listen, I don't believe in taking advantage of no widow women. They're my people. I meet with them the first Friday of every month. One strong. I love them and they love me. Not fight to the death for any of them. Any of them. The point is not somebody saying, I'm I'm hungry, you feed me first. No, God's given her opportunity to trust him. This is a principle of priority. Watch this, watch this. He said, you go and make it, but you make mine what? Say it again. Say it again. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about the food on the table. Don't worry about your necessities. Don't worry about all these things that this world is killing themselves over, trying to get and worried to death that they're going to lose out on. And they're they're, they're thinking, oh, we're going to do without. He said, seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things, all the food, all the necessities, all the clothing, all the blessings, all that you are looking for, all that you need. You put me first and I'll take care of it all. 
See, in the shortage, you're going to be challenged to short God. In the, in the shortage, you're going to be challenged to listen, to step out and say, oh, I can't, I can't make God a priority in my giving. I can't make God a priority in my service. I can't make God a priority in my time, in my actions, in my activity. And God said, I tell you what, if you'll put me first, I don't care how dry the brook gets. I don't care how empty the shelves are. I don't care how high the gas is. I'll supply all your needs. You better put him first. You better put him first. You better make God a priority in this hour that we're in. You better make God and his plan for your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and he'll take care of it all. And all God's people say it. Let's see if we can do this last point in two minutes. First means preceding all others in time, order, or importance. Seek ye first. What's the great commandment in the law? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy might. Jesus said, unless a man hate his father, his mother, his sister, his brother, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What do you mean? I'm telling you this. You better make God priority. there's any advice I could give anybody in the shortage is to make sure that God is first in everything in your life. Because then he's responsible for taking care of you. Because he has to honor his word. Last of all, the comfort in the shortage The challenge in the shortage, the comfort in the shortage. I love this part. This is my favorite part. I wish God had just let me preach this one. Get the hints. First Kings 17. First Kings 17 verse 3. Get the hints. Turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith. That is before Jordan and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. So when is he saying this? It's before the brook dries up. The, but before the famine becomes devastating. <laughs> yeah. I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. First Kings 17, 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have, what's that word? Commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Preacher, what are you saying? What, What comfort is there in the shortage? I tell you this, it's his, watch this now, watch this now. Good Lord, I may run around this building. Preacher, are you scared? Nope. Are you worried? Nope. Why? Because he has a prearranged provision. Let me use that word again. Prearranged. Pre means before. Arranged means prepared. That whoo. That means. That God, before the brook dries up, 
God's already arranged for you to be taken care of. I got God bumps on my neck right now. A hog could bite right now. Right, I'm just running up and down my spine. This hasn't taken God by surprise. God, I heard a preacher say one time, has it ever occurred to you that ain't nothing ever occurred to him? Do you know he is alpha and omega, the beginning and the end? He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen in the future. And he's already laid everything out. He's prearranged my provision. Everything's going to be all right. He He has put everything in place. He has provided for every need. I can look around right now. I, I, my, my coat's bulging right now. I need to lose a little weight. I can, I can look right now. Ain't, much, ain't many of us here miss no meals. The psalmist said, the psalmist said, I am old and I have been young. Yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm telling you this right now. If you're in the place that you're supposed to be, if you'll make God a priority in your life, he'll prearrange a provision for you and every need shall be supplied. You may miss out on a couple wants, but I'm telling you this. Every need will be supplied. Everything that you need, God will make sure you have. No, God's people said his prearranged provision. Hallelujah. God's not up there like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? One of my favorite, one of my favorite, one of my favorite verses and stories in the Bible is when Jesus had this big crowd. Big crowd. Thousands of people. Cesar, only one little lad had enough sense to bring something to eat that day. All the rest of them was like my father when we go out to eat. Every time when I take my dad out to eat, it comes time to pay. Son. Never fails. What are we going to do? Jesus comes to his disciples. Hey, boys. You see all these people? They hungry. And if they don't get something fast, they're going to be hangry. What are we going to do? Say, so what do you like about that? I like it, what it said about Jesus. You know what it said about Jesus when he asked that question? For he already knew what he was going to do. <laughs> you sitting here wondering, oh, what am I going to do? When he already knows. He's prearranged the provision. Let me give you this. Let me give you this. Y'all done endured enough today. Brother John, there's a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage situation, ain't it? <laughs> Watch this. What was A? Tell me A. This is the comfort in the shortest. A? Is that encouraging y'all? Look at this. Look at, the, look at B. Write this down and we'll pray. I want you to see the sufficient supply. The Bible says in 1 Kings 17, 15, 
And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall what? What's he going to supply? Okay, say that word again. Come on, everybody. All your need according to his riches and glory. I would have loved. I don't, now, now, see, I hear you folding already. Look at me. Y'all know better than that. Look at me. I would have loved to seen the look on that widow's face when she poured the oil for the second cake. It's kind of like what we look when God supplies out of nowhere. When that check comes in the mail or that rebate or refund you didn't even know was coming. Brother Doug, when I was in college, when I was at home, you don't have to live by faith when you're at home. You don't. When I was at mom and dad's house, they always had food in the refrigerator. It didn't matter if I was broke, I was still going to eat. If I needed gas, dad. There was no, I mean, we talk about living by faith, but you don't know what living by faith is until you have to. But I remember, I remember this to this day. I was driving back from Aiken, South Carolina, driving back to the dorms. It was on a Sunday evening. The last money I had in my pocket, this is on Sunday. I had all week to go. And I had to put it in my car because I didn't have no money. And I was out of gas. And I remember this. I remember this to this day. Brother Melvin, I went and gave that lady my money and I pumped that gas. And this is what I said. Lord, I had just turned 18 years old. I said, I guess this is when I got to trust you. And I got in my car. I've been gone all weekend. I hadn't even been in the dorms. And I got there and I walked through the door and I looked up at the, the mail rack. And there was an envelope in my, in my slot. I never got any mail. And I looked up there. This is the same night. And I reached up there and I grabbed that envelope. And it was from my Uncle Jay. And I opened that letter and said, hey, I just was thinking about you. I love and appreciate what you're doing. And I just want to send something to you. And there was a check in there. There was money in there that got me through all week. And when I opened that envelope, it was like, 
Y'all know what I'm talking about? Put God first. I know it's going to be a challenge. I know it's not going to be easy. But if you do, he will. And all God's people said, 